everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you're brand new to this show, the show's all about a little well-known card game called Magic the Gathering. On today's episode, we brought on none other than James Sue, the voice of Humans of Magic, the creator, the podcaster, the interviewer. I'm interviewing him. I'm interviewing the interviewer of Humans of Magic, and we talked about shit. We talked about everything. Just like every episode, we talked about everything from obviously his start into content creation into god star trek baseball um star wars into we went off into some weird tangents at some point but i loved it loved it all and i hope you enjoy it too but before we get into that let's get some announcements out of the way i will be at command fest philadelphia and i hope to see you there too thank you so much card titan for inviting me to be a part of the event and i hope to get to play some magic with you all i'm really looking forward to it i'm still trying to figure out what edh decks i want to take there and yeah, and I'm going to be staying at a hotel right across the street from the venue, too. So, boom, I'm within walking distance as well, too. So, awesome. Awesome. Hope to get to see some of you all there. Um, this show can be found on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. And on YouTube, if you search Magic with Zuby. Uh, you can find me on the socials, on Twitter at Magic with Zuby, on Instagram at Magic underscore with underscore Zuby, and on TikTok at MTG Zuby, and email me with any questions you may have at mtgzuby at gmail.com. If you want to help support the show, you can help support the show by checking out my two awesome sponsors, Cardsphere.com, the best place to buy, trade, and sell your magic singles and sealed product, and Alter Sleeves. If you want to bling out those decks, but without damaging your cards with drawing on them, look out, check out Ultra Sleeves and use coupon code MAGICWITHZUBI. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming James Sue to the show. Okay, hey everybody, Zuby here and I have with me the awesome Humans of Magic podcast host, James Sue, um, all the way coming to us from China. Uh, how's it going? It's going great. Thanks for inviting me, Zuby. Oh no, thank you for coming on. It's... um. I, I've, I've listened to some of your episodes of Humans of Magic. If you haven't checked it out, go ahead and do it. And I'm sure you've heard this a lot, but you really give me this like NPR vibe of of your interview process, sort of like a somewhat Ira Glass, if you're familiar with who that is. I am a fan of This American <laughs> Life. I am I was not born and raised or didn't grow up in the U.S., but... I am a fan of that show, and so I'm really happy if somehow like that has influenced me. I'm sure it has. I'm really happy to hear that because that's uh, that's a giant right there. So, oh yeah, no, no, it's great, and um, and I, I I wanted to interview you because you do similar podcasting that I do. Um, we, we do one-on-one long-form interviews, and just I, I mean, we talk about pretty much anything and everything. Um, one thing that I like that you did, especially with your previous episode with, um, I'm going to mess up his last name, Pete Hoffling or Hofling. Um, yeah, I think it's Hofling. Hofling. Uh, you were like not afraid to really dig deep, especially in, I think it's the third part of the podcast where talking about all the COVID restrictions, just not afraid to get deep in there and just sort of push them back. I loved it. Thanks for listening to that. It was probably more of the, a little bit more of the non-traditional interviews I usually do because usually it's going to be more like this. We're kind of having a good time. We're chatting, yeah. just uh, 
you know, just have a conversation, right? But it's sort of hard to interview the president of Star City Games and not ask about that. Right. And yeah. I think the way, and I think the the way my mind works is that it's kind of like, I think for me, interviewing people is kind of like interviewing people for a job. Um, exactly. Not exactly. Yes. The same, exactly. Yes. But but it's like I always think that if you head into an interview and you have a goal, like you want to find out something about that person. I mean, in job interviews, it's like, do I want to ultimately, do I want to hire this person? But if you, as an interviewer, finish the interview and you didn't get what you wanted, then that's really on you, right? That's really Mm -hmm. on you, the interviewer. So I really felt like (laughs) doing that one, I needed to get that answer because I was really wanting to know the answer. And it's really hard to sit down with, the president of SCG, especially during these times and not ask that. So that's kind of where my mind was going. That's probably why I was pressing a little bit. Oh no, kudos to you on that, man. I don't know if I'd been as brave to do that. Then again, I've never interviewed someone at that level. You know, like I've interviewed some people from Watsy, like Gavin and um, Michelle when she was the uh, content creator or marketer. I, I forgot her title. Um, Michelle Sutterfield and I I felt like I'd had to tiptoe around a little bit because you you know I want to get to know them ask some questions but there's so much they can't say about you know magic or or the product where it's just like you you also don't want to burn bridges too you know what I mean absolutely and I don't know if the wizards process has changed but these days from my experience you have to go to them with a kind of list of questions they kind of have to know ahead of time what you're going to talk about so it's not like it's not like interviewing hillary clinton or anything but it's there's a kind of guideline you know because there's a there's a wizard's sort of brand or ethos that they want to represent and i think it's totally of course yeah it's uh yeah it's it's uh that that's uh that's from my personal experience it's with that's funny you say that because i i can't remember too much about when I interviewed Michelle, but I do remember when I reached out to Blake about wanting to interview Gavin, you know, he, he had the same things like all these questions, like, you know, what'd you want to talk about? Blah, blah, blah. And then when I finally get Gavin on, he's just like, yeah, this is what I can and can't talk about anything else. I don't care. He's just like, (laughs) just so easygoing. But I mean, I get it. They have to do that firewall in front of, they can't just let him show up on anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Although with Gavin, I haven't had a chance to to talk to Gavin, but I'm sure Gavin's great. I mean, in an interview setting, right? He's just just his. Oh yeah, the man just just lives magic. It's just like just the joy. Dude, of holy magic. crap! So so it's funny. So I I was so nervous for my interview with him, um, which I shouldn't be. Like it, it's once I start going and talking, I'm I'm easy going, but. I get into the interview and I think not even five or 10 minutes into the interview, my doorbell starts ringing. There's like my neighbor's dog got loose and these neighbors need help with something. I'm like, out of all the times, nothing ever happens whenever I interview people. It's like, of course it had to happen with Gavin, like all helper, but he was so nice and waited for me. And I'm just apologizing profusely. Like he just top act. He could have just been like, Nope, got to go. See ya. <laughs> yeah it's it happens a lot those sort of when you do enough interviews you have technical issues or just someone knocking at the door it's it's kind of par for the course right yeah Yeah. we've all we've all been there i think yeah oh dude and and, um 
what we were saying just before I hit record here is so, so the way I do my editing for this is pretty like I'll do some audio editing to make the voices sound better if I hear some inconsistencies and all that I don't I don't go back and listen to every single episode because I just don't have the time but I'll pick certain moments where when I'm looking at the the audio file or if it looks weird or something you know I'll listen to it and edit it um, but man some of the worst times i've had interviewing people is when i had audio desync issues i i can remember this one interview i had i interviewed um this content creator couple um these these two guys uh breakfast with nerds that like back in the day and so it was two people on two different audio tracks and both of them got desynced so i had to listen to the entire episode try to figure out where who was saying what whenever i was asking questions and Oh my god, it was the worst thing ever. <laughs> <laughs> just just like detective work, essentially. It oh just god. became worse than work at some point with that. H- have you had anything like that ever happen where I've been lucky because most of the interviews are one-on-one. I think I did one where it was with two people and thankfully that didn't turn out that way. So it's always possible to figure it out. Uh, so I, I record now in Zoom and, you know, knock on wood, Zoom has been pretty good for just using the record function on its own and does two audio tracks, one for each person. Ooh, I didn't think of that. Ooh, I, yeah. I forgot that Zoom can record and it records separate audio tracks. It does. Oh. It does. Ooh, it you you may a... have like changed my life right here because I've been using Discord video forever because I was using Skype for the longest time. But that got to be too much of a pain in the butt after a while because mm-hmm. Skype changes its UI like yep. every three months, and then Skype is essentially unrecognizable every every oh two months. It and is. I I was gonna that's exactly what I was gonna say, Zuby. Like I used to use Skype for recording because I had this Skype call recorder that recorded both sides. Yeah, me but... too. Probably the same thing that I used. Yeah, and, yeah, and it yeah. would screw up so many times. Exactly. So Zoom became a lot better and i'm just super thankful for zoom right now knock on wood i may have to use your obs discord method if somehow zoom (laughs) doesn't do that anymore so i'm kind of in this phase now where even though i'm a tech person i just don't want to update zoom anymore even though it kind of forces you to because you know how it is like when you have a certain version of the software that you you just love whether it's windows or zoom or mac whatever you just want to you just want to stay there forever right because you don't want the risk of something happening that's how i am with um audacity and um how i'm with um uh oh my my movie video editor because i don't i don't have a fancy video editor at all because i i just do some basic copy paste you know intro outro type stuff and and then you know the interview um but but i'm so used to it i've got like little macros on that but i'm afraid to update it just like you said like nope it's gonna break something break my macros and (laughs) yeah creatures of habit right we are yeah man and so i want to talk about uh your start into humans of magic what made you want to get into it or or start it up i guess yeah so it, it actually really started so I've been a Magic player for a long time. So I, I started playing in Revised Edition and, and you oh, know, dang. that's not... Yeah, so way, way back. Not really competitively for all this time, but basically what happened was, to answer your question, I think it was about 2015, 2016, 
I got way too deep into competitive magic. I was already in China. I would actually, for example, fly to the U.S. just to play in a GP because oh, I geez. thought, you know, that's that's not that's cheap. Just, <laughs> it's not cheap, but it's it's more about the time and the testing. And I was a real tryhard. I was a real tryhard spike. I I guess I'm still a spike today, just not a tryhard as much. And I, as you can probably imagine, if if you put a lot of your self worth and validation into the game of Magic: The Gathering, it doesn't turn out so well for most oh, people. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's oh, like yeah. buying a lottery ticket and expecting to win every time. You you find out later that statistically speaking, you're just not going to win every Magic tournament or even top eight every Magic tournament. That's just the rules of the laws of averages, right? So in 2015-16, I was really burning out of Magic and I had always been doing like just writing for fun, just writing blogs, just little observations about life. Yeah. And I decided to just write some stuff about how sick and tired I was of Magic and how I was going to quit this game and just <laughs> kind of like work, work out everything on paper. And what happened was I posted that public somewhere and it actually started to get a lot of traction on Reddit. And I, I, it was like, I was probably like, I wrote maybe one or two chapters and it started to get some traction. And as I kind of worked it out and also looking at the community feedback and having some interactions with the community, I ended up finishing the piece because it was like a five or six part blog. And I ended up being a lot more positive about it in the end than I thought I would be at the beginning. Because when I initially was writing, I was just thinking, I'm so sick and tired of magic. I'm done. This is going to be my <laughs> my magnum opus. I'm just going to write this and I'm, I'm out of here. But it turns out that writing it, it was sort of cathartic, if that's the word. It's just, it was just nice to get that out. And so I, I, went, I went in and I actually converted the 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 blog post into a book so i actually ended up publishing a book about this whole thing which is about my experiences and playing magic and trying hard and not succeeding and kind of the takeaways right all the mental stuff and so writing a book is quite a lot of time and investment when i finished that i thought i'm never going to write about myself and magic ever again uh, i guess this is another one of those never again statements yeah. that may not be true because it's you know, it's hard to, to hold yourself to that. And at that point, my friend, uh, Julian Knob, Julian, who is uh, uh, a very well-known person in the legacy format community, uh, he's known for elves, but is really just really just strong at all kinds of legacy decks or magic in general. He really encouraged me to think about, you know, how, what other projects can I do? Because in my mind, I was just thinking, well, I'm done writing about myself. So let's turn the tables and let's think about how to feature other people because I don't want to talk about myself anymore, but I still am thinking about all the things that I learned as a magic player and, you know, quitting and succeeding and all those things. How can I find out how other people think about magic and what are, what is something that I can do, which is more about my strengths because I'm not a high level player, right? I'm a spike. I'm a try hard, but I'm not someone with, incredible results. I've never played in yeah. a pro tour. I never will play in a pro tour. And so what can I do? What's my contribution? What's my angle? So that's kind of how humans and magic started was just thinking about 
how do I do a magic podcast, which is about fulfilling my own creative itch about wanting to know more about people, but also still being in the magic space and all that kind of stuff. So sorry, that was a very long answer, but that's, I know, that's, that's fine. Sort of how, that's fine. That's that's basically how Humans and Magic started. And the idea came from, you know, after writing the book, let's do something else. But I mentioned Julian because, you know, he was also hugely influential and he encouraged me to just say, James, if you if you if you if you're thinking about this project, just just try it, just do it. And I'm really glad that I took him up on that advice. Yeah. yeah did, did you ever see yourself um, going for this long? Like w when did Humans of Magic start again? Um, 2016. 20, oh, 2016. so you started the same time I did. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have some sort of uh, bond through yeah. time and space, right? You're, yeah, because... You're definitely it, a lot more prolific than I am. You've done a lot more uh, in terms of output, so... I guess. <laughs> no, it's... um, it, It's... Yeah, so... Because when I started Magic with Zuby, it was not an interview podcast at all. It was... I was, at the time, wanting to showcase my experiences from what it's like to go from the kitchen table to going to your first FNM and then going above and beyond that. And so you'll listen to a lot of my first episodes and that's what it's about, right? Like going to that next level. And then somewhere along the way, like I started interviewing some people like judges, um, like LGS owners just to, you know, give people an idea of what it's like. And I just ran with that instead. I just loved interviewing people. It just turned into... I want to interview everybody <laughs> mm -hmm. and ch and like you said before, it's like a job interview. And at the time when I started it, I was in a manager position um, for a, an IT manager. And so I was already interviewing people a lot for uh, positions and doing this podcast just helped me elevate those interview skills because um, you're right. It is very much like a job interview, but you know, not so much on the line, though. <laughs> no, absolutely not. It's it's far lower stakes, but I think it's still good just to get a sense of who the person is, right? I, I yeah. mean, in 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 as in as so much as you can do in one interview, because I I think there's also a lot that goes into how people represent themselves and how you see them. But I think at the end of the day, even if you're trying to hire someone for a job at the end of the day is that person someone you want to work with right i think that's something yeah. that a lot of the interview job interview literature doesn't address so much like it's more sometimes it's more about the mechanics so it's kind of like magic where they talk more about sideboarding and you know here's a sideboard guide instead of just saying why are you what what's your game plan for this tournament or why are you playing this deck you know so it's always start with the why as they say yeah, no, it's um I've interviewed so many people um for jobs and I mean not, not just the podcast but for jobs and you're right it is how they are going to fit in that team cuz you can you can teach people skills, you know, easily. Like obviously you want some you want people to have some sort of foundation for whatever job you're interviewing for, right? You don't want, you know, someone fresh out of high school if you're looking for like, you know, a SQL programmer or something like that who had, but if they have a basic understanding, but they don't have the, you know, higher tech skills, those are, those are trainable. But if, but if they get along with people are good, then yeah, hire them. Um, so 
I know you also worked on, I want to get more into Humans of Magic, but I do want to bring up uh, Cardboard Live. Um, wanna, is, is that still active going on? Because I have not streamed Arena in a while, and I was using that a lot when I was streaming Arena a lot. Is it still active? Still active. Okay, so good. It's good still to know. Out there for Magic Magic Arena, Magic Online, we still have a partnership with Wizards. So nice. they still use CBL nice. for all the 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 live events that they hold. So yeah, still still going after a couple of years. So can you describe what it is a little bit for people who may not know? Yeah, basically the problem we we wanted to solve with Carbo Live from the beginning is that uh, Wilson, my co-founder, and I are just obviously big fans of Magic. And one of the biggest problems with Magic is that when you're watching Magic, you just don't really understand everything that's going on. So yeah. it's sort of like, actually, I don't, you don't even need to make analogies because this is a Magic podcast. So I was going to say that it's kind of yeah. like, you know, watching a sports game and not knowing who the teams are, who the coaches are, like what's the score. So, I mean, obviously for, for CBL, that's what we wanted to do, right? We basically wanted to help magic content creators or esports productions just tell a better story. So we started with Magic the Gathering, but we're also doing projects for other CCGs that are on Twitch. So, you know, it's it's basically Ooh, like if you awesome. are if you're a video game or a card game and you're looking to uh tell a better story with your stream or help your streamers tell a better story basically just hit us up and we can help you with fulfilling that vision so that's kind of what cardboard live is is we wanted to solve our own problems as magic viewers because magic is just such a hard game to understand especially if you're like even if you know magic you come in halfway through a match or a tournament you it's very hard to oh yeah to catch up because you need the commentators to catch you up you need these um production overlays uh to tell the story but we wanted to help content creators or streamers in general just take the matters into their own hands so that's what we set out to do so yeah it, it, it's great one of the and i feel like it's something that e even live magic needs um you know because with arena it's great because you're watching twitch stream i can just hover the mouse over you know the streamer's board and see what each card is because as you know in arena half the time it's just a little square with a picture and you can't tell what it is sometimes um you can see what's in their hand what what and i love it it's great the live magic hopefully one day they come up with something like that i mean they've got the spell table technology that's going on with it and maybe someone some programmer figures out a way to implement that with watching live magic because like you said i i was so deep into modern legacy meta for years um before i started the podcast and i'd watch scg or channel fireball when they would stream on twitch and you look away for one minute and you go back you go back to the game you're like i don't know what just happened like and i don't know what these cards are because it's quality's really bad or you know lighting yeah and uh we actually so fun fact about cardboard live we actually started off uh trying to do everything for tabletop so we had actually a pretty good working product which would do some of the things that you mentioned which is ocr like just recognizing physical cards on the table and even addressing things like glare from the card sleeves and reflections things like that so one of the things that i'm proudest of is when we had 
when Wizards was still doing the uh, paper PTs, they used us for the coverage software. And we oh, were actually nice. able to pick up using our technology the while the people were drafting like what cards were in the hand and we could actually render that in a viewer so that people could read the cards and also what they picked oh, nice and so i don't remember exactly what pt that was but that was definitely before the like the mythic series started becoming oh, the, the only thing. stuff yeah yeah but we definitely had that going for a while and uh i know spell i did not know that does a pretty good job with that but uh yeah we we originally set out for cardboard live to be because we're big tabletop fans i mean yeah, before there yeah. even was a tabletop term like we're just fans of paper magic so um that's definitely something that magic has kind of moved away from in recent years because of arena and so our product has also adapted but i think there's also a world where maybe that comes back and our software can come back as well so <laughs> man i hope paper magic comes back like it's um because the only other sport I even watch is baseball. And so, you know, like most typical people, I'll leave the baseball game on in the background and, you know, listen to it or watch it every so often. And that's what I used to do with Magic with with Star City and uh, Channel Fireball back in the day. Just leave it on. But when they started making that change to Arena, my interest became less and less. And um, I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was about Arena. Because even when Arena first came out, I was still deep into standard, modern and all that. And... But I don't know, something about it just, it, it didn't do it for me. And then yeah. then learning from people like um, uh, Alias V, like how they actually cast arena games was just big mind, you know, like mind blown where what we see on the stream is what they see too. They don't really see the other person hand mm -hmm. so much. And it's like, arena needs a spectator mode like badly so bad <laughs> yeah i mean e even if they don't want to make it public to people just for their own mm -hmm. sake for their own tournaments just do it <laughs> oh absolutely absolutely yeah. and i totally get also what you're saying about like just the analog version of the thing being so much better because i'm not a huge fan of baseball actually my co-founder wilson is a huge baseball fan he's probably the biggest baseball nerd out there and I think there's an app. I don't know if it's just the ESPN sites or the app where you could watch the games or maybe the replay of the games where it's all just digitally digitally rendered instead of the actual game. Maybe it's just like the play-by-play -play or some sort of... Uh, I know I've seen play-by-play -play stuff of, yeah. of that. Yeah. And I, I mean, maybe a bad analogy, but there's no way that that could replace the actual watching of the baseball oh yeah for game, sure right yeah yeah it's just like i've i've watched a few baseball games in the u.s in the stands and it's just it's it's also so different like just baseball in person versus baseball on tv and it's very hard to explain it to someone until a noob like me does it for the first time because you realize that when you're when you're there watching baseball in the stands like it's kind of like you only spend about 30% of your your attention on baseball, but then the other 70% you can be just chatting or like enjoying the food or the sun. And it's just yeah. the greatest feeling. And you just don't have any of that if you're just watching baseball on TV. And somehow like surprise, surprise, like watching baseball in real life, the game goes by a lot faster. Too. It really does. <laughs> 
<laughs> it does. <laughs> no, um, no. The thing I love with baseball is I'm not huge into it, right? Where in terms of some people, they know you know stats and figures of every player and all this stuff. I I only follow my home team, Tampa Bay Rays, being in Tampa. So, mm-hmm. um, but the thing I love about it is like the pitcher and batter. It's like a chess game. It's a mind game of what is right. the pitcher going to throw and can the batter be able to hit that and you know those kind of mind games of trying to psych out the batter and what are they going to do in that aspect um but yeah you're right it's i love seeing live baseball i'm i'm like that with other sports i don't really watch football or hockey but going to an actual football or hockey game it's so much fun the energy is just great mm-hmm. yeah and you're you're in a place where you have access to all the major sports right because you've got nhl and nfl like yeah pretty much everything if i'm not mistaken Yep. Yep. We've got um, they they've been calling this uh Tampa Bay the past couple of years Champa Bay because we uh the Bucks won the Super Bowl what in twenty 2020 twenty or twenty twenty one, uh we got Lightning won the Stanley Cup two years in a row and Tampa Bay Rays won the division championships a couple years ago, so it's like actually having a home teams to be proud of you know we're. <laughs> <laughs> where before they were like garbage for the longest time ever mm-hmm. but i mean that's it's all money though um being in china like uh do you have any kind of baseball i know japan has baseball leagues um does china have any baseball leagues or anything like that not that i'm aware of i think hockey might be bigger than baseball in mainland china Oh, basketball is definitely basketball and soccer are the biggest sports i would say for younger people definitely basketball now especially with the nba yeah and there yeah. was also a chinese basketball league but most people yeah basketball makes sense yeah yeah and, and yeah. soccer makes it soccer is big everywhere in the world except in america for whatever reason <laughs> I, I i'd rather watch soccer than football to be honest i know that's sacrilege for americans <laughs> Yeah, not not sacrilege to me. I mean, I yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, it's the beautiful game, right? So yeah, I mean, it's especially what really got me into soccer was I had a boss who was from Turkey and immigrated to America, and um, he when the World Cup happened, when was it 2018 or something like that? I think it was or 2019, whatever the last World Cup was before the pandemic. Um, he 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 and I would watch a bunch of games and he would just he really taught me like what to look for in soccer because like most sports there's a lot of little granular details that you just don't know about if you're just a casual person and that's uh, he got me into hockey or um soccer that way just teaching me like what every position does and the different kind of plays they do um and all that it just got me really more interested in it and, and it makes me wish soccer had a bigger presence here in america too yeah why do you think that is because i've been hearing for decades that you know they keep trying to promote the popularity of soccer obviously a lot of kids in in the u.s play it growing up yeah, right? yeah. so why do you think that is i like is it just that the other sports are just so much more popular or or what well, football is like the most popular sport across the board in U.S. because the amount of money it pumps out is just insanity. Um, and I'd have to say the next biggest sport in the U.S. would be basketball. 
if I had to guess. Because, you know, you have figures like LeBron James and it's the only one. I, I don't follow basketball, so that's like the only one I can think of off okay. the top of my head. Um, I, I mean, that's the only one I follow. <laughs> but uh, and, and the only thing I know about MLB is that, sorry to interrupt you, but it's sure. like, I do remember last year maybe or two years ago, there was like some, not even meme, but just a trend of like MLB players complaining how like Steph Curry could like just bounce a basketball and get a million likes and the MLB players, baseball players, like they don't, they don't get any attention. So that's like the one thing I remember about that. So I think basketball is definitely up there in terms of popularity, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's and plus with football and basketball, it's a bit easier to get personalities like that. Uh, You know, you have your cult of personalities in football, like Tom Brady and um, LeBron James for basketball and soccer just, the 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 problem is I, I i feel like it's it's got to be like a marketing or branding thing right because everywhere else in the world calls soccer football which mm-hmm. you know makes sense and here football for us here is you know the the pigskin version or the the oval ball yeah. and you don't ever really kick the ball that much right and and it's also it's also like a toxic masculinity thing too because football players you know they're big and tough and can beat people down and they bump into each other where there's so many of the memes of soccer players where they barely get tapped and you know mm-hmm. fall down and yeah. cry and all that stuff yeah. so well also a problem in basketball now too this is the flopping oh yeah that, that too <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I don't know it's I mean I guess from American point of view it probably not as popular because uh, America we're number one we do it the best <laughs> so I don't know I mean I, I I like to say it's getting a little bit more popular but I don't know I think it's kind of like just I think it's just natural people to gravitate to the number one or number two choice so it's like yeah the analogy I would make is you know why use for if you want to use the search engine why use bing.com if there's google.com right so if there's already american football and your second choice is the nba like how far down in terms of sports are you willing to go like you could be a a total sports junkie and watch everything i'm sure there are people a lot of people that do that but people have their preferences right so if you already have like three sports you're following it's kind of hard to get into the fourth one oh yeah for sure for sure it's um i don't know it's and i feel like the past couple years football has been under a lot of scrutiny too because of all the ctes the concussions that people the players have been getting and how the lifespan of a football player is not very long compared to a lot of other sports um whereas like a football player may god what they start out at like 21 22 something like that and they're lucky if they make it to 30. Now I know Tom Brady is like, you know, the enigma. He's 45 and still playing for, you know, almost two decades. Is he actually now. 45? Wow. Oh God. That's... He's in his forties. Hold on. Let me, you're going to make me Google it now. Hold on. With Tom Brady. Yeah. He is 44. Okay. Damn. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's God. That's I remarkable. Mean, right. I mean, so he, even as good a shape as you, he is, like that's still scary like getting knocked out like that like getting sacked as a quarterback at that Mm -hmm. age where you know uh, that's scary to me man like i'm only 35 and if i take like a bad tumble i'm like oh shit (laughs) like i'm hurting (laughs) everywhere (laughs) yeah 
Yeah. It, Although I, I don't know too much about football. Maybe is it the QB is, I mean, as long as they don't get sacked, they don't really, they don't really get hit. Yeah, is they, that how yeah. it is? Yeah, they really don't. Like if they have a good defensive line to protect the quarterback, then they'll never really get sacked. But all it takes is like that one sack for him to really hit the back of his head, even with the helmet on. Now they, mm-hmm. they've done a lot of a, adjustments on the helmet to per, try to prevent CTEs. But mm-hmm. I don't know, man, like, um, he's been playing for how long now? Imagine how many times he must have hit his head, right? Or like gotten concussions and all that stuff. And right. I, I used to do um, martial arts as a teenager until my mid twenties and doing fighting. And I can't tell you how many concussions I've had. And it's and that's like you know not comparable to football, but damn, I couldn't imagine still trying to fight at my age right now mm-hmm. and just. You, you know that that'd be my biggest worry be concussions you know it's scary as hell man <laughs> yeah and i can understand you know maybe if you have a bad ankle you can kind of work on that but how do you work on not getting concussed if someone's actually going to hit it, come at you with that full velocity so that's right? that's pretty hard to do i don't think you could train for that right you can't like train oh. your head to be stronger <laughs> you can so. you can do all the stamina training in the world but damn all it takes is one one knock to the head and you're just done like yeah that, that that's what i remember from my days of training for fighting was you know you do all this circuit training you can you know, get your stamina and you know your strength up but all it takes is one good punch to the face or one good kick to the head you're doesn't matter how tough you are you're done yeah it's, yeah it's scary stuff man oh man so Wow, we went off a tangent there. Um, I don't even remember what originally brought it. Oh, yeah, Cardboard Live. And then we were talking about live magic and digital magic. Um, So getting back into Humans of Magic here. You've been doing this since 2016. You now have a book out. Um, When did you release your book again? Oh, man, that was uh, a while back. Uh, Is it already? I have to actually Google this. It says 2019. Yeah, really? that sounds about right. That sounds about right. That's three gonna be years three, ago, three, four almost years ago. three years. Holy shit! I feel yeah. like it just came out. Because yeah. I remember that that was like a. I remember when it released, I was like, "Oh shit, that's awesome!" Like I never, I didn't read it or anything, but I thought it was just really cool that you did it. Um. And you know what gave you the idea for doing that? Was it based on the book that you did about yourself, and then? You know, you did the podcast now, and now you're like, well, now I kind of want to do the same thing I did for myself, but for other people. Actually, it was more because the the Humans of Magic book was more like an experiment. Well, actually, I would say half experiment and half farewell as well, like false farewell, I guess, in retrospect, just like with the first book. So I wanted a book to be kind of the farewell part was just I wanted the book to be because actually at that time I was thinking we should probably just end Humans of Magic because I felt like. I had interviewed a lot of great people and at some point I just thought that's probably enough. Like, okay, I interviewed, you know, John Finko, uh, I had Jerry T, I had like the people that I put into the book actually had LSV. Like, I think I could probably call it like, that's my bucket list. Right. Uh, I think even, (laughs) even Reed Duke, maybe I think I interviewed him at, at, at some point around that time. It's like, yeah, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. Maybe we could just, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but just go out on top. Like, just let's just do the book. The book's kind of like a milestone. And then 
I'm out of here. And so that was a part of wanting to do the book. The other part was just the experimental part that I mentioned is just like, I think there's a lot of people that like reading rather than listening. I think it's probably watching is number one now because like I like you're doing great with the the YouTube stuff because I I think I want to get into YouTube, but I think it's just oh, dude, laziness dude. Or, dude, or YouTube is still garbage is. for me in terms of views. It's uh -huh. since I started out on audio, that's the majority of my downloads and everything is just the audio. I, I've got a few dedicated people who only watch the YouTube and I originally took yeah. it away and I, I got like complaints from them. I'm oh, like, you got complaints. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and and to be honest, it was only like a small group of people. And I'm like, you know what? Okay, fine. Just I'll bring it back for you. And so it's <laughs> no, I mean, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to do the YouTube stuff and throw it up there if I could. I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I mean, I consume YouTube like everybody. So it's like, I thought, you know, I think that would be cool. Like basically the whole point I did a podcast in the first place is like, I yeah. thought people will prefer something like this. But the book is also just like, you know, every once in a while I would do a podcast episode and because we do long form, right? You do long form, I do long form. Somebody will be like, hey, James, that was, I heard it was a good episode, but can you just give me the text? Like, I don't really want to listen to two hours with this person. <laughs> and and so I thought, yeah, maybe I could just like, just make it into text and just edit it. And that would be kind of a book. Because even before the book, I was doing transcripts, right? I think transcripts are kind of nice if you just want to, skim the interview and but i i feel like a lot of the personalities kind of lost if you're reading just the the transcript but i mean to sure, each their yeah. own right yeah so yeah so i think that was that was part of the reason i uh i i wanted to do the book obviously i kept on with the project but at the time that's kind of what i was feeling so nice nice so that's awesome um how did just curious you don't have to talk about it but how did sales do on it so modest i would say modest was it more than you uh, expected it was around what i expected the one point in time okay i'll just be honest about this part so <laughs> i i reached out to uh the professor the prof whom i know mm -hmm. you've also interviewed on this show he's he's a great guy i asked him if he could do a video review on the humans of magic book and he was really nice about it. He actually did one. So the moment his video came out on my book, my sales basically doubled like overnight. Oh, that's like, awesome. It's just, I, I, I don't really want to disclose the numbers, but yeah, yeah, that, that's what you don't have he to definitely yeah. like before that I was basically on expectation, but after that, he definitely exceeded my expectations just by that very generous act and because you know his review is awesome he actually read the book and you know made a really good a really good fair review i think so mm -hmm. um yeah so i i would say if i had to do it again i know you didn't ask me this but if i had to do it again i would not do a book because the book is just like there's so much that goes into it there's the the editing i had editors there's the there's the um the layouts there's i i did a glossary too because i i try to create a book where you could read it even if you didn't know anything about magic so i put all the magic terms in the glossary so if someone mentioned in interview number eight about mana burn you could actually go or mana screw you could read oh, about what that okay. was okay right so i i, I 
basically way overthought this project and uh yeah so in retrospect it probably i probably just should have just kept doing <laughs> more podcast episodes that probably would have been better long term especially now that i'm trying to do more and more content for this podcast and yeah. but i think it's i enjoyed it i enjoyed it a lot and i That's i feel awesome. like there's also something really great about just having a physical book created and the sensation again it sounds really cheesy or corny but just be able to like have people say like james i enjoyed your book or james can you sign your book for me that really that's really cool so oh yeah it's um it's it's an awesome feeling because and plus you're gonna have something that's gonna live on right that you know you have children or family or whatever and you can pass that on to them that that's the way i look at this podcast too where you know for my two kids or grandkids or great grandkids they can listen to their you know weird ass grandfather or father talk to all these people and <laughs> it's sort of <laughs> there it's preserved you know yeah yeah it's a nice uh time capsule right yeah yeah and because it's um you and I, we've been doing this since 2016, and it's been it's been a wild ride doing content creation. I I originally got into this thinking I'll try it for three months, right? And thinking maybe six months max. And here I am. What is it? Six years later, thinking like shit. I I can't stop. E even though it's funny you mention that because in 2019 I thought I was done. Like I thought I was done. Like all of a sudden. I know as content creators, we say we can't worry about the numbers. We shouldn't worry about it. We shouldn't focus on it. But in 2019, I saw like a huge drop in like just downloads and subscribers and views and all that were just I was thinking, oh, shit, what's going on all of a sudden where mm -hmm. it, it was, you know, averaging 1000 to 1500, you know, downloads an episode down to like I was lucky to get 100. And I'm like, right. what the fuck is happening all of a sudden? And that was like that for a few months. So I'm like, mm -hmm. maybe I'm just done then. Maybe it's just. And I was also going through some stuff personally and, you know, took a few months off. And God, it's just been. I haven't stopped since. Have you gone through anything like that before? Definitely. So I think it was 19 or 19, 2019 or 2020 with COVID. I don't exactly know what it was, but I definitely saw the numbers go down as well for for my podcast and i but i think i was confident just in terms of i didn't think it was like a quality drop that led to it i think it really was just the world was changing or maybe there are more options out there there's yeah. more things that people are doing with their time maybe there's less commuting especially with covid so there's less podcast listening so i don't begrudge anyone or the world for for that but there definitely was like I said, I thought the book would be kind of a nice cap to it all because mm -hmm. my mindset was a bit different back then. Cause I was thinking back then there's a bucket list of people that I want to interview. And if I can just climb the Mount Everest, then I'm done. But I think what really changed over the past two or three years, actually, especially this year, because this year I started to really focus again on just doing weekly episodes and trying to do more. I think what really changed is just understanding that I really love interviewing. I really love being an interviewer and maybe it's just whatever, maybe it's my ego or something, but I think I'm 
decent at it. So I want to keep doing it. And I still feel like there's more to learn and there's more to experience. And I don't care about the names on the interview anymore, like my guests. I think it's not about a bucket list. It's more about like, because you know, right? This this whole thing that we're doing, it's not, it's not performative. It's really just like try to get down to how people think and how they enjoy magic and how they enjoy different things and what they're going through and, and, and who they are as people too because that, that's always been as, yeah that's always been my goal of this where mm-hmm. y- you know before i started I've, I've heard other podcasts interview podcasts where all they really talked about was magic and, and you know how how you got started in magic and you know this and that about magic and your mm-hmm. life and magic which you know that's fine I, i'm totally down for that and i've had interviews just like that because you know that's all i could really get out of the person but I, mm-hmm. what my goal is for every interview is to really try to get people to know who james is right mm-hmm. like what makes him tick what you know what kind of person is he outside of you know the podcast yeah you know i always like to say for humans and magic if less than 10 percent of it is about magic then that would have been a success yes we spend 90 percent of our time talking about anything other than magic magic is just kind of like the pretense to talk to the person and if we end up talking about other stuff like baseball or whatever i'm totally down with that totally oh yeah oh yeah some of my best episodes i've i've done where it's just like okay yeah you're a magic content creator all right now we're going to talk about you know xyz now for about for two hours and then two hours goes by and you're like what the hell it's it's already done shit we gotta go (laughs) yeah but i definitely feel you on that what you said earlier zuby which is like uh we like to pretend it doesn't matter but the numbers do matter and there is something very validating about that and yeah. I'd be lying if I said I didn't look at that stuff or even like how many likes or re- retweets something I did has. It's just, it's a, uh, it's a battle. So it is, it's really a battle, man. Like there's times where I, I've gotten better over the years of not letting it affect me, but there were, t- there's been times where it's just like, you, you know, you talk into the void and you know and i i've noticed with with podcasting it's i don't know about in your experience but it feels like it's rare to get feedback from podcasts even though even if that episode does like a thousand downloads or ten thousand downloads the actual feedback is going to be very little if any because mm-hmm. I think about my own podcasting habits where I listen to some other podcasts and I never give any feedback, right? But I'll but I'll listen to them religiously, but never ever go to the creator and say, Hey, I like what you're doing. You know? Yep. So Yeah, yeah like it, you it, might you might share it with your friends, but that also doesn't go back to the creator, right? Yeah. So Yeah. So it, it's it, it's it's so nice to get that validation. Like the biggest the biggest moment for me was when, um, oh god, was it Star City Game? No, Channel Fireball. When Channel Fireball invited me to Grand Prix Dallas, and um, back before they called a Magic Fest, and they were doing like a meet and greet thing for a few hours, and and um, I'm thinking, yeah, I'll be lucky if I get one person to show up, right, and mm-hmm. you know to want to meet me or whatever, and freaking 
and I'm, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it just blew me away. Like I had like a line down the table, people wanting to meet with me, play magic with me. And I'm all like, it was so overwhelming. I'm like, Oh shit, <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> <laughs> like That's it was super awesome. It, it was yeah, awesome, but it was just, Oh God, it was crazy. Maybe a little too, too awesome. Too much. Yeah. Like, yeah. like the next day, it, cause that was on a Friday. Then the next day on Saturday, I kept it so low key. Like I didn't wear any magic Wazubi stuff and I'm all like, okay, I just need to, you know, <laughs> not have people see me or whatever. Like I didn't have yeah. anything saying magic Wazubi anywhere. I'm like, Nope, I'm good. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But you know how they, you know how, you know how they can still get you is that they can recognize your voice too. Right. Oh my, if someone's listening oh to your podcast, Every once in a while, you play, you'll be somewhere, and then they'll be like, "Hey, uh, you're Zuby, right?" <laughs> I recognize your voice. So, so funny story. Um, I actually interviewed someone who recognized my voice. That we brought him into a face-to-face interview, and they were a Magic player. You know, one of the things um, that I, I would always do in interviews, you know, get to know the person after going through the tech stuff, and because um, I'm in IT, so. Um, go through tech stuff and then the 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 guy i'm interviewing he's like yeah i play magic da 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 i'm like oh cool yeah i've pl- i've played before too i don't go- i don't want to tell the person like oh yeah i'm this fucking huge ass geek into magic and you know i've got podcasts and all that stuff because i don't I, I i'm not gonna go off i'm not gonna come across like that and then he's like he's like your voice sounds really familiar i'm like uh oh interesting <laughs> it's like do you do a podcast i'm like yup <laughs> i'm like oh jesus fuck <laughs> You we wanted had, to keep it low key, but yeah. it's, it's kind of hard to to mask your voice there. Yeah, and we ended up not hiring the guy anyway, so it was mm-hmm. it, it was it was other reasons. It was not not because of that. I think we found someone I want, better. I don't want that person. To, I don't want to hire someone who knows that I have a magic podcast. So we're not hiring. Right. Him. I'm just kidding. No, no. It, it was for dude. That was so long ago too. I don't remember. But have you had that happen where someone recognized your voice or anything or? Yeah, when I was doing paper magic events in the in the US, I yeah, it was just like I, I don't exactly remember when or where, but it was probably one of the SCGs or a GP. It's just uh yeah, just you just get people recognizing your voice, maybe maybe someone even sitting next to you during a a match and uh that's uh that's kind of fun. I I, yeah, I like it, it. I say thanks, and uh, you know they say you know usually they usually they say something complimentary, so I'm happy to take that. Um, I also get stuff like when I play Magic online, like someone will be like, "Hey, are you the Humans of Magic podcast?" I've had and that I'm before. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> because the name kind of gives it away, right? So that, that's kind of nice to get that too. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, have you ever had any weird fans ever reach out to you? before actually almost none i don't even remember i'm not even just i'm not even pretending not to recall like i it's been almost universally good and non-creepy i don't know i I, i'm guessing you're asking the question because you probably got something in the past oh yeah oh yeah i'll I'll lie (laughs) and maybe i can tell you off air because i don't know if they still listen or not (laughs) okay okay you don't want you don't want you don't want the stalker to know it's been a few years since i've heard anything but no i've um i've had some interesting encounters with people before who yeah we'll just leave it at that just yeah yeah (laughs) so it'll be yeah no i was sorry i was gonna say that um because because 
it's kind of changing now for me in humans and magic where i want it to be more like your style which is more like conversational and just yeah. you know it's it's back and forth but when i first started humans and magic like you know all those years ago i my method was very different back then my method was like the perfect interview is where if the interview is done well you don't recognize me or you don't feel me at all like it'll just be like the guest is monologuing and there's just some sort of voice in the background to drive him or her to keep talking and that was my idea of a good interview back then was be a, a fly on the wall right it's just like yeah. just blend into the background and that's changing for me now and i can get into the reasons why but like that's that's probably another topic but but I've, I've changed it and so i think that's also a reason why i don't get super like weird feedback because i always designed the show to be like if the episode is good then people will say our relax was great in that episode people will say you know john finkel was great in that episode and it's designed so that i'm just the person in the background you're the person opening them up yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's great. And um the the one thing I wanted to bring up to to you and, and this is something that I've brought up to other people and so you and I we've been doing magic content for a while now. Um and when we came in around 2016, you know, we were the new kids on the block. Um where there's still like the old guard professor mana wedge was it man or no wedge wedge um was it mana wedge or was it just wedge can't remember now he he basically disappeared off the face of the planet probably for good reason too um or probably good for him <laughs> getting off social media um and then there was others too um some people that shall not be named that were big in magic at the time mm -hmm. um and then you know you saw your LSV and Marshall and all that and it, it feels like since the pandemic there's been like this huge explosion of all these new content creators where it's mm -hmm. so hard to keep up nowadays where and, and now now that there's magic big magic communities not just on twitter but i'm finding on instagram especially tiktok where i'm like i'm so out of my element in tiktok where you know you, you find someone who does magic stuff and they've got like a hundred thousand followers and you're like i've never heard of you before and i don't know what you do or you know or and 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 i'm not disparaging the comp the, the content because i just don't understand tiktok content to begin with but i'll watch like their videos and i'm like how how is this entertaining like i don't get it because they're just doing tiktok trends you know and i'm just i i'm getting old man i don't i don't get it <laughs> But yeah, it, dude, there's yeah. this like explosion there's, there's so of so much people. more, so much yeah. more out there, and uh, I, I think it's actually a good thing. I think there's oh, more yeah. choice for people. It's like you could be bombarded with MTG content twenty four seven now if you wanted to. Just it will never like there's not enough to you know for the minutes in the day, right? I I think it's also just the the rise of it's a loaded term but casual magic like the rise of uh commander the rise of non-competitive magic people are really increasingly leaning more into that and so there's a huge opportunity for people that are doing content related to that and it's uh i think it's great but yeah there's a there's just a ton of stuff out there 
Uh, I'm not very active on TikTok either. Uh, I will go in there once in a while, but uh, y- there's some good stuff in there. Uh, oh, but, yeah, there's, uh, there's like funny stuff. But I I just don't get it. Like yeah, like I'll I posted videos on there that I found to be dumb as hell, and they'll get like thousands upon thousands of views. I'm all like, whatever, that's stupid. But I'll I'll do a, a video advertising, you know, my latest episode, and get like a hundred if I'm lucky. And then you see the same thing with um, other people. They'll do a video, and to me, it's like, okay, that's dumb, but it's got, you know, mm-hmm. 100,000 views, and you're like, what? I don't... Yeah. It's got to be a generation gap for me at this point, because I just don't get it. <laughs> but do you follow that? There's this one non-MTG account on TikTok that I think is just absolutely brilliant. I, I, don't, I don't remember the name, but uh, I'll describe it to you. Maybe you already followed this account. It's this Probably guy not. that looks. I, I don't watch any TikTok content. Okay. Barely. <laughs> well, I gotta send you the link for this. All right, all right. Absolutely brilliant. All right. It's this guy that analyzes sports games that happen in the backgrounds of TV shows and actually finds out using detective work what game that is. Oh, that's that sounds awesome. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, so there was a there was an episode of The Office season three or something where it looked like Jim was watching this major league baseball game and they actually looked into that game they realized that it was a minor league baseball game with the mlb stuff superimposed on top for rights reasons and the guy actually went on this like incredible like you can just imagine like how many minor league teams have this color jersey this number and it's only like the guy's back he actually went and did the homework and figured out like it was this game this player this minor league team it was just the most absolutely incredible thing i've ever seen the guy does it i don't know if he does it for a living but he does it for like all major sports and it's absolutely fucking incredible oh you gotta send me the link to that that sounds fun as hell just to diving down the rabbit hole like that that's awesome yeah yeah so it's not it's not all it's not not all TikTok dances like so you know there's some cool stuff out there um it just shows how big the world is oh yeah Oh yeah. Um, when you're looking to get guests on your podcast now, are how do you vet people that you want to bring on? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I number one is just my own curiosity. If there's something that happened recently with that person, or they they said or they did something, and I really want to get it deeper into that, then that's a big, big, big motivation. Another uh, way I do the guest selection is honestly, I have a small trusted circle of friends in magic and uh, I would actually ask them like, you know, who should I interview? (laughs) It's not very scientific, but they gave me some of the greatest ideas over the past uh, two or three years. And I'm hugely grateful for to, um, to Cyrus, Marcus, and Jonathan. <laughs> Shout out to the three of you. There's there's more people, but those three guys, like, absolutely incredible just in terms of like just recommending people. So I think I think it's really just, but I think it's it's sort of like recommendations versus balancing it with my own curiosity, I would say. Okay. Yeah, nice. That I was just curious because it's um I'm similar. But I feel like I've gotten burned in the past with a few guests where um, they 
you know, came on fine and then was like five, six months down the road, they do something dumb on social media and start this big whatever drama BS. So I'm like, nope, okay, got to be more careful now. And it's, I definitely vet people out more by checking, you know, checking social media is the biggest thing to see, mm-hmm. you know, what they're posting and what they're doing and sometimes checking out their content too if I get time to mm-hmm. really dive into it enough. But like I said, yeah. man, there's so many people out there now. It's like I can't keep up. Like I've got a because every so often I'll go online and just, you know, say like, hey, who do you want to see in the podcast? And I'll just get list of names. And I'm like, oh, my God, there's no way in hell I'm going to get to any any of these people in like this year or since, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. so much. So, yeah, that's that's a that's a tough one. Like I'll, I'll say one thing, too. Uh related to what you just said which is i think there are people that the word i'll use the most polite word i can use is divisive there are people that are very divisive in the community like they're not Mm -hmm. universally liked and actually one of the things i would like to do more for humans and magic is to interview more of those people because i think the conversations are actually better when i don't agree with everything um i guess the last episode is uh, an example of that yeah uh, <laughs> uh but i think those are actually interesting when you kind of work that thing out or if someone has said something that seems not great on the surface in a certain number of characters on twitter i am actually pretty interested to to find out more about what they're what they're thinking there yeah. right or maybe what they learned from it or how they experience things after or before it and so I actually want to challenge myself too to to have more d- divisive people, um, you know, within reason, right? Um, yeah, it, it's I I know what you mean. I've been thinking that, and it's I don't have a Patreon anymore because it's I felt bad about still keeping one up because I just could never focus on it enough for pe- to give people their money's worth for it. Um, cause on top of a full-time job and having wife and kids and trying to do this, it, it was just tr- trying to add Patreon on top of that was just too much because th- this is a one man show right here. It's, I do everything with it. Um, but so having sponsors, it's, I have to be really careful who I bring on because if I bring on, cause there've been times I want to bring on divisive people just like you, but I also have to shit I don't want to make card sphere look bad if I bring this person on because then they'll get the heat for it mm-hmm. for you know and I don't want to sour those relations so because you you don't have any sponsors per se right it's just your patreon and, and I'm not I'm trying sponsored. to like downplay that or no 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 you're sponsored you're, by you're, star no, city no. games right yeah you that, that's yeah, right that's, that's the, right that's the that's the that's the interesting thing I forgot um, about that that's right sorry yeah. <laughs> I just no, remembered totally until <laughs> it's it's public info. Um, yeah, I, I yeah, it's a it's a fine line. I, it's a fine line. I mean, in general, regardless of your reason, sponsorship or just not wanting to be canceled the next day, <laughs> uh, that that's like you have to make those uh, uh, calculations for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's um, and, and anytime I'm going to bring on someone that might be divisive i always check with my sponsors first because it's one i don't want to bring i want to try to be as professional as i can be not bring any 
you know heat on them unnecessary heat because you know cancel me all you want and I, i'm probably should be canceled by now anyway so <laughs> maybe maybe you and me both um because yeah, some too, of what is... i've said about like edh like oh my god all the stupid edh discourse <laughs> oh, is that what you said oh man okay oh, oh i've said i've said a lot of I, I don't say it too much on twitter because mm-hmm. but like if you listen to some of my episodes there are times i just ream magic twitter about their stupid mm-hmm. edh stuff it's just mm-hmm. but whatever <laughs> yeah i mean i'm a like i said i'm a Nazubi, i'm a spike so i i'm trying to kill you on turn two or three if i can do it in the most efficient way possible and if no. i get killed on turn two or three I just pick myself up and figure out how do I kill you on turn one or how do I prevent that from happening next next time. So I I am not quite the profile of a commander or EDH player. Uh, what I'm trying to do, actually this year I try to get more into commander guests um, on my show. And that's also part of just wanting to understand how they think about it because uh, I, I, I realize that my brain is definitely wired differently than a lot of commander players and i think exploring that can be can be fun too i think i think it's actually fine to say i don't like this format or i you know because that's just part of um enjoying magic that's just part of being in magic is like you magic is just a vehicle for us to have a point of view right yeah yeah no it's um the the way because i i like commander it's pretty much the only constructed format i play now i don't do modern or legacy anymore i had to sell out of it because american healthcare system um (laughs) and other reasons too but um the the biggest thing that that i find that keeps me going back to commander is just the gathering part getting to bs with people and i don't even really care what happens in the game but there are times i'll get invited to play on stream or or even play in person with people because they want to play with me or whatever and i i i i've gotten really good out of my competitive habits the past few years because i wouldn't say i was necessarily a spike i mean i guess in some ways i was i don't know um depends on the year but but there are times where it's just the thing that would get me playing with so many different people commander is just the sloppiness of it and and you probably know exactly what i mean like because you're used to competitive rel where people have the tight plays they know the rules the rules interactions and you know passing priority and all that stuff and then you get to commander four people and it's like you mean an actual understanding of the stack and all yeah exactly and then you have some people and you're just like oh my gosh like no this isn't how any of this works (laughs) or people trying to (laughs) skip phases and i mean i've gotten better over the years but there's still sometimes it just annoys me or i think i think there's a the biggest level for me and just understanding commander was just one day someone told me it might have actually been through the podcast like someone just told me james commander is essentially a board game that you play with magic cards and that just yeah. totally flipped the switch for me i was just like at that point i was like yeah i understand a little bit more of what this is yeah yeah i mean that's pretty much how i treat it now too and i'll build stupid decks it's it's i don't care about being efficient anymore in it i'm just mm-hmm. i mean yeah i have my decks that are quote-unquote competitive or near competitive but i don't care anymore just yeah it's um if i had to choose one format to play for the rest of my life it'd be 
draft or sealed limited essentially mm. i'd only play limited for the rest of my life if i had a choice what about you that's a good choice i i unfortunately i can't answer the same answer you have because i'm terrible at limited and i have still have too much of my self-worth tied up in my ability oh i mean like i'm not i'm not that good at it but i i freaking love oh, it no, so no, much I, I totally get you. <laughs> yeah it's just the way the way i'm constructed it's like if i if i get into limited i'll feel like i need to put in like two three hundred more hours to feel more competent and i yeah. that's a cost that i have to consider i would say for me if it was just a format that i play forever probably legacy or modern uh, it's hard to say that now because of fire design and because the format changes very quickly as well oh so gosh, even yeah. the um i've heard a lot of great things about pre-modern so i i think i need to get into that a little bit because it's really old school but it's not old old school like 93 94 magic yeah so i i love to answer the question maybe in six months once i get into pre-modern and figure that part out um i think popper is also a, a yes. high quality format that is, i played that I used to play uh, a lot yeah and and i think the the cost of the decks is very low um That's i think the best part of it so if I had to like gun to my head, I'd probably say popper or modern right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nice choice. Yeah. It's I, I, man, it used to be modern used to be my favorite constructed format. And then modern horizons one came out and I'm like, Nope, don't like this anymore. Even War of the spark kind of killed it for me. Like, uh -huh. Nope, don't like this. Just yeah. freaking Narset and Teferi. And, um, were the mm -hmm. two big killers for me. Because um, I even played blue-white control, and it made games go even longer before that. Um, God, what else came out in War of the Spark that really changed modern? Um, Teferi was probably the biggest one. Yeah, that was the biggest that. one. Um, and Narset, too. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. what. There's probably other War of the Spark cards, but Modern Horizons won. That completely screwed up modern with Hogak and... Hogak and, and Force of Negation. Oh, Force of that's right. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, Force of Negation <laughs> really changed it a lot. Yeah. Man, I used to love playing my blue white control, but but when those cards started coming out, like I would go to time almost every single time. Mm -hmm. Cause it just games just took that much longer. And Jace the Mind Sculptor went from being really good in that deck to I don't really need it anymore. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know, double Teferi, the Dominaria Teferi and War the Spark Teferi. Oh, that's right. I didn't play Modern back then, but they unbanned Jace, right? They, they yep. unbanned Jace. And, and Bloodbraid Elf. And Bloodbraid Elf and Stoneforge. And people yep. thought, you know, those are going to be the pillars. And it didn't quite turn out that way because newer cards came out. Yep. I, I would love to see what Modern would be like if they unbanned Splinter Twin right now. Like, like, how like would splinter twin change the format as much as it did back then because splinter was really just the policeman of the format back mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. um people uh, talk really fondly about that era i never played modern that era but it's it's just it's kind of hard with those sorts of things because like there's always people with rose colored glasses and there's always there's also people that are like the experience was so atrocious that how could you even think about bringing that back but it's it's always difficult because in in formats that i'm a bit more familiar with like legacy you hear the same things all the time like we could just unban 
Mind's Desire today. We could just unban Hermit Druid today. Like it wouldn't change a thing. Like we could unban Survival of the Fittest, right? Um, <laughs> so there's arguments for and against it. And I, I have certainly listened to, you know, four hour podcasts extolling the pros and cons of each. And in the end, it's just sort of like, what's the, what's the opportunity cost? Like, or, or I should say, what's the incentive for wizards to do anything? Like there probably isn't that much of an incentive for them to, to make a change because like to deal with the potential after effects or fallout is probably not worth it. Right. It's kind of like when people back then, um, okay, not a great analogy, but it's like, people are still hoping that they'll abolish the reserve list, but think about it from wizards point of view. Like what, what is the, what, why would the, why would you even do that? It's sort of like, it's sort of like I'm telling you today, like Zuby, um, I want you to just like stop wearing shoes when you're like walking like past something that's kind of hard on your feet like why would you subject yourself to that yeah yeah and it's also wizards were to do that like what benefit would they gain from it Mm -hmm. i mean sure they could start reprinting the cards but oh god You, you know part of me you know, I, I'm past the whole reserve list thing, but part of me does want to see it abolished just to see the online shit show that would ensue. I just want to see it so Some, some <laughs> folks just want to watch the world burn. Yes. I, I just okay. sit back with the popcorn, just eat it, just see everybody get so mad or happy and just, mm-hmm. I don't have anything invested in it. I don't care, but, you know, mm-hmm. I know there'll probably be a lot of people lose a lot of money, but i mean it is what it is um oh there was something i wanted to ask um shoot oh 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 speaking of legacy i don't know if you ever heard of the dark depths podcast i have michael mapson is uh one half of the podcast yeah right? michael mapson and billy mitchell you, it, you had you had michael on i i recall I, I had michael and billy on in separate episodes man and, and those were probably like my most competitive minded episodes I've had in such a long time because they just blew me away with um how much both modern and legacy have changed over the years and if you want like some good people who know a lot about legacy like either of those guys are just blow your mm-hmm. mind with mm-hmm. how much they play it and yeah just smart as hell guys right there oh I've got a few I've got a few <laughs> legacy people lined up for humans of magic in the in the two record uh queue nice i nice. mean I, I i mean i'm not as close to the format these days but i am still very much a a fan especially a fan of the people that play it so yeah and i i, I miss legacy it was i i only ever had legacy l's um and i i ended up having to sell that deck but that was my only like legacy deck i had and i loved playing it loved being able to try to get turn two or turn three crater hoof out and just swing and win um getting turn one storm to death or turn zero storm to death or whatever (laughs) yeah um and we had a really good local legacy scene too that our lgs at the time would allow you know up to 10 proxies and all Mm -hmm. that so dude i miss those days it's just you can't bring them back though just and plus with i don't know it's just not the same anymore. Like like trying to play Legacy on Magic Online, just it's not the same at all for me. Because mm-hmm. once again, it was about the gathering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Still waiting for that day, man. Legacy GPs, please bring them back. I, I don't see... I mean, 
I'm 100% with you. I just don't see them ever doing it because it's, I, I just feel like the money just wouldn't be there mm-hmm. for them. Yeah. You know, like they, they could easily make more money doing standard or pioneer GPs. Mm-hmm. It's Absolutely. Yeah. Sad reality. Gotta get on that. Gotta get on a different train now. It's gotta be modern or standard or something else. Yeah. Man, and mod, have you looked at the prices of what modern decks are now? Like, oh, I, I, I have. Uh, I still actively follow modern, so I play it on Magic Online as well as. Uh, oh, okay, okay, uh, dude. Yeah. Some of the, some of these modern decks are ridiculous. They're they're like the cost of legacy decks were like five years ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh is, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's oh god, like I don't. Modern Horizons <sighs> two changed the game. Absolutely, changed. That, that that's what uh, um Michael and Billy were telling me. They it changed it a lot for modern and legacy. Like, um, mm-hmm. oh God, what was it that came out in Modern Horizons 2? Is it Murktide uh, Region? There's there Murktide Region, uh, really Ragavan, uh, oh, Rag- the Pitch oh, Elementals. That's right, Ragavan. The, 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 the Pitch Elementals, like Solitude Fury. Yeah, 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 yeah. Battle T, those, those were huge. Um, there's, there's a lot more to, than those cards too. Yeah. Those, those definitely changed the game. Yeah. So do you like those do you like when those sets kind of come out and just completely upheave formats like Legacy and Modern? So I have a very uh unique view on that, I think, okay. because I basically primarily played Legacy and when Modern Horizons 2 came out and it even crept into Legacy with Murktide and Regavan and stuff like that, I was just like that's probably the time now to get into modern because at that point I realized that there were no longer sacred cows in a eternal format because new cards would just push old cards out very easily. So if legacy legacy was kind of starting to lose its identity for me last year, because it's just so impacted by new cards, like they could do a modern horizons three and I'm sure some of those cards would get into legacy. So at that yeah. point I'm just thinking like, what is unique about legacy now? Not a ton. If, we're being honest, there's like probably like free counter spells and days and those sorts of like free interactions. But what if I took that, those sacred cow, the sacred cow cap off for a second, right? So at that point, it just made sense to play modern. Like, because, because like, so I'm saying my view is a bit unique because the, the cards were clearly pushed in Modern Horizons 2 and they impacted things like legacy. But they were a bit egregious in legacy because of how the the other cards already were like fast mana and yeah. enablers right and and free interactions but when you actually play modern for the first time after modern horizons 2 which is what i did it actually felt fine it actually felt like it was designed specifically for modern and it kind of worked so i'm kind of i'm kind of subscribing to the modern horizons 2 like tide lifts all boats sort of theory where i didn't have those preconceptions of what modern was before so it actually felt fine just going to the format and having mm. those cards be everywhere you, you know what i mean right uh, maybe i haven't yeah. explained it super well but like i, I it felt I, perfectly I, fine for for modern maybe a li- maybe not a good enough for maybe too much for legacy but that's also why i got into modern instead of legacy now i can see that is it was it easy to change out decks like that well you play mainly online right i play mainly online now okay like i do i do play like paper weeklies uh so i do have both of the decks i like and on paper 
Uh, so yeah, I, I, I would say that like, so I, I'm actually pretty, I'm basically, I'm still a fan of magic online. I think it helps you get like, like it goes with being a spike. It helps you get reps and helps you yeah, um, for sure. yeah. practice. Um, wh what I'm not into now is just kind of like grinding leagues for the sake of grinding leagues. Cause I don't think that's very, uh, productive, especially just in terms of a use of time. Right. Um, I think it's good to play digital if you want to practice for paper events, but if there isn't a paper event that I'm signed up for, like a like a 1K or above, then I don't really want to touch Magic Online. So I, um, <laughs> I think I tweeted about this recently. I, 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 yeah, I think, I think it's I been, saw it. I think it's been like 50 days now since I yeah. have, I've yet to log into Magic Online. And that's probably the longest I haven't logged into Magic Online wow. in three years since I started playing Magic Online. I did 35 days last year and that was my record. Then I got back into it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I saw that tweet. Um, yeah, you can do the yeah. math. I guess. I think it's probably been about 50 days, 40 days, 40, 50 days. Oh, yeah, there was another tweet you quote tweeted that I wanted to get into. And I've been feeling this way more lately. I think you did it the other day. Um, basically um, quote tweeting. I'm going to mess up this guy's name. Uh, Anzid MTG. Um, oh, Anurag. Yeah, yeah. Anurag, yeah. where basically you're enjoying doing more magic content than actual magic playing. I, I've, I've been at that point for a while now where I still love playing magic, but doing magic content like this, especially the podcast, is way more enjoyable for me than actually playing the game nowadays. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is that how you've been yeah, feeling too? I've definitely been feeling that, uh, and I, I felt that for two reasons, right? I think one is just a very simple opportunity cost, right? Because like the time that you know we're playing Magic, we're not doing the podcast, or we're not spending time with our family, or whatever it is. So I think that's a big part of it. The other thing is just kind of, uh, I think I tweeted this too. It's like just realizing that we're good at certain things, and I am going to be. Okay, maybe it sounds pretentious, but I'm I think I'm in the top X percent of magic podcasters, but I'm not anywhere near that as a magic player. So I'd rather just work on the things that I'm already good at and just yeah. get a lot more enjoyment out of that versus trying to go from like mediocre to to average in some sort of <laughs> format. I mean, that's no, that's I... that's probably the spike in me talking. Like I think I still need to enjoy magic more for just enjoying the game and just making good decisions and all that stuff, you know. So. Yeah, and I feel as a content creator, that's one of the most important things to find out. Like if you want to get into content creation, find out what you're good at and go from there. Like like you said, I when I first started this podcast, I tried it to be, you know, go from casual to FNM. When that didn't work out, did interviews, but I also tried to do like um you know, set reviews and stuff, which I really enjoyed doing, but it's this was before a time that everybody started streaming their set reviews on Twitch and all that. So I'm like, okay, now it's kind of pointless doing it. It's you know, yeah, I got featured on the magic website a few times for it, but eh so much work for like so little payoff um and, and same thing like I, I would love to be able to do deck tech videos or like how to make decks better and stuff commander decks but or how to like make cubes better but i'm just like it's so much work and effort that i'm better at doing this you know what i mean mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. like i did um i did an 
episode of because I used to do a little like sub podcast about D and D. Um, I, I would call RPG companion. I did this one episode talking about the differences between D&D 5th edition and Pathfinder 2nd edition. And it took me a long time to write out the script. I did this big PowerPoint presentation for it and did awesome in numbers. Like in downloads, views, got really good feedback, got so much feedback on it. But damn, the amount of effort it took to just do it. I'm like, and people want more for me to do. And I'm like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like That's just, <laughs> it's just, so yeah, it, it's really finding your niche of what you enjoy doing and what you have time to do realistically too. Yeah. It's, it's finding your lane, but also like just making it sustainable for yourself because there's no way that you can do a podcast for six years without actually enjoying it. And if you're doing it and you're miserable, then you got to figure out and why people are going to know that is yeah. people are going to feel that, right? Like you got to figure out how to drive yourself. And ultimately it's not going to be the numbers. It's going to have to be some sort of self fulfillment. Now I've had people tell me that they keep doing it because they have a huge base and they don't want to lose out on that. And I think that's, that's sensible. I think that's, that's reasonable. Uh, but I don't have a huge base. So it's like, for me, I have to do it if I, enjoy it and that's the only way i know how you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it's also yeah because i see people doing content full time and there are times where you know i i i'd be lying if i didn't say oh i'd love to do content full time but then when i actually talk to those full-time content creators i'm like oh i'm good i'm i'm good i'm it's great for you that you can do that. Like I remember talking to the professor years ago. Um, uh-huh. he, he's a lot bigger now than he was just whenever I interviewed him. Um, and then, you know, I've talked to, um, Amazonian, Amy, uh, alias V, um, nerd girl. Yeah. Um, all of them just, all of them are full time, I believe. Right. Yeah. And they're all full time. And then the, and I, and even before the show and even during the show, th- they'll tell me like the amount of work they do. And I'm all like, I'm good. <laughs> like, holy crap. That is so much work. And it's, it's scary too, in a sense to rely on that. I mean, especially here being in America, right. Where, you know, our healthcare is absolute garbage. Um, you know, you the rent and food is going skyrocketing and, mm-hmm. and it's, it's scary to rely on something like content where, if people aren't tuning into you, that's going to make or break you, especially if you don't have any kind of fallback. And that, that to me is scary mm-hmm. as hell. Like, and there's yeah. Yeah. no whole lot, no, not a whole lot of government assistant they'll give you based on that. You know, you can't collect unemployment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, also what you said about the doing the D and D versus Pathfinder video, I, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned that too, because, um, I think, first of all, you said it was a lot of work to script and to actually produce the thing, right? Um, and it's also scary if, like, you spend so much time on it and it doesn't give you the the return. Um, and I and again, that goes to the numbers thing. And it's yeah. maybe it's a little bit irrational, but it's like you kind of feel like I don't want to say it's a waste, but you feel like it, it wasn't. I could have done something. Yeah, yeah. Else, you know, I probably could have done like I did an episode about Ukrainian magic, and it was like it took me like. 10 times the amount of time uh, to do then in a regular episode. And so I wouldn't have done it unless I really felt like I believed in it. 
because if I only did it just to, uh, I'm not implying you or anybody, but I'm saying if you only do something to, um, to get numbers, then it's a, it's a dangerous game you're playing because, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's really tough, right? You, 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 you might not see what you expect to see. And, and I feel like you lose a part of yourself if that's all you're focusing on. Like when I did that episode, the D and D versus Pathfinder, I did it cause I, I wanted to do it. Like I, I didn't care about yeah. numbers and, and I cared about the topic. So yeah, yeah. Cause it was, it was fun to do. Like it was a lot of fun to make that PowerPoint, do that script. And cause it's something I've never done before. Um, I've had episodes where like, I I'll still say this, the, the best magic with Zuby episode I ever did is my lowest downloaded episode ever, but I had so much fun doing it where I did a set review. Um, this is back when Ixalan was first coming out and I did it in a complete improv of as if the Star Trek, uh, Captain Kirk, Spock and Chekhov and Uhura were exploring the plane of Ixalan. And I was voicing all of them talking about the cards and it was my worst downloaded episode ever but i had the best time doing it <laughs> it was just going back and listening to it it's complete cringe and really really hard to listen to but i had so much fun and you got you got to balance that yeah for sure yeah. like i've i've talked to people who said like yeah my favorite piece of content was this but i can't do it again because it's just not that well received and so you gotta yeah it's it, it's balance kind of, that it, it's kind of I, I feel kind of bad for when content creators can't do content they like because it's because if if they're really worried about numbers and you know because that that's how they have, make their income right they have to worry about numbers and they have to focus it it feels I feel kind of bad for them when that happens because it's you're kind of denying yourself that creativity that you can do. Mm -hmm. right. There, there needs to be a kind of uh, system just like for Hollywood actors where Christian Bale can do a blockbuster like Batman Begins or the Christopher Nolan Batmans. And he's like, yep, I am rich now. So now I can do The Machinist. I can now do these art house films. I wish yep. there was something like that for for us mere mortals. You know, like, you know, Zuby, you just did D&D uh, &D Pathfinder. That's, yep, that's... Uh, three years in the bank for you so now you can do your <laughs> your your star trek improv right but it doesn't work that way unfortunately no no it doesn't and it's um it, it's man i i look back at my early content there's just so many different things i tried and it's because i had fun doing it and i don't do any of it anymore but it's also because i just love doing this um one of the things i have been doing for god the past it's going to be going on a year in September, October is I've been doing this D and D show D and D for normies with pixie kitten. And, um, man, let me tell you what, holy shit, that has been draining me <laughs> a lot. Just set like trying to not only produce a D and D show, cause I've learned a hell of a lot, like doing it, but man, just, just even trying to run it. So I pre-recorded ahead of time, and I feel like th this is where I wish I had someone else help me with like the technical stuff because I had I have to record it all here because there's no way I could do D and D for normies live like absolutely no way in hell I could do it so I pre-record it and it's it's I have to have another laptop in front of me while I have like you know my players and all my D and D stuff on another screen and it's just 
it's hard, man. It and plus with doing a D and D show like that, it's I feel like I have to make it more scripted in a sense compared mm-hmm. to if I'm just playing D and D offline with friends. Absolutely, absolutely. But but that's been a really fun endeavor just doing it all because holy shit, that's a lot of work doing mm-hmm. doing an RPG show. It's um. I, don't know, I, I just enjoy doing stuff like that. It's like, I've never done an RPG show. Let's see how hard it is. And fuck. <laughs> now, now I see why there's people that just do D&D content. Because I'm like, there's no way in hell I can like do yeah. another D&D show like that. Because it, it's been taking up so much of my time. Yeah. Yeah. That's It sounds like an order of magnitude harder than something like this. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because like, I actually have to plan and all that stuff and because i'll do a lot of prep and i mean i've been dming for so long it it's all second nature to me but it's also i need to make sure i'm trying to follow somewhat of a storyline because i don't want these players to play for like you know 500 episodes we're not critical role or anything um but it's been a lot of fun it, it's i don't know i i enjoy doing those kind of different creative endeavors because it, it's it's fun. It's interesting. Um, the, you talk about, you wrote two books. Um, I keep saying this, like I have, I've always wanted to write an RPG book, like an adventure book. And I have a rough draft written out. I've just haven't touched it in months and months now to like go back. And you mentioned like layouts and all this stuff. And I'm just, Oh God, I don't even want to think about that. (laughs) It just that sounds, sounds like, hey, that sounds sweet. And the only advice I'll, I'm not, I know you're not asking for advice, but like figure out a way to get some help to do that, right? Like you yeah. can get someone to help you with the layouts and just, it doesn't have to be a published book. Like just get, just get the PDF out. Just, you know. Oh just, yeah, that, uh, that's, that's what I, I, I first want to get, just get the PDF out. And mm-hmm. uh, m- maybe once I get done with this D&D for Normies campaign, I can start focusing on that because it's, I don't have time for anything else. Yeah. right now i mean i lie i do have time but then i i need that recharge time you know what i mean i totally hear you 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 can't you can't plan your whole day and just like every minute i'm doing some intellectual work it's it's not possible right i, I need that time to play my final fantasy 14 i'm too i'm too addicted to that <laughs> game oh is it is it is it fun i haven't played final fantasy since uh since it was offline like final fantasy 10 or 9 was like the last oh oh i'm a huge final fantasy fanboy like i've played them all um okay and 14 yeah it's online and yeah there is a free trial you can play until level 60 but it's not gonna touch that i know in my addictive personality (laughs) i'm I'm good It, it, it is it is uh it's pretty much the only game i play right now um okay that good huh yeah, I mean, I've been playing it for a year straight, and it's been um, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's it's really good story. The music is fucking amazing. It's so good. The sound like like when I'm at work, like I work from home, and so I like to listen to music just to get my mind focused on work because I'm in Visio diagrams all day doing Word documents, Excel sheets, whatever, and I'll just put on the Final Fantasy 14 soundtrack, and it just freaking great I, I don't do that often with video games where i'll go back and listen to the soundtrack a whole lot but i'm obsessed yeah. with this nice nice i gotta get into that 
that Final Fantasy stuff again. And I, I used to love Final Fantasy soundtracks too. And uh, oh, it's but so it's good. it's hard to relate unless you play the game, right? Yes, you, exactly. It has to trigger certain memories of the actual gameplay. Yeah, you know, you should look into um the pixel remasters on Steam, where uh Square recently re-released uh, Final Fantasies one through six on Steam, and mm-hmm. they they remade them. To, uh, they, they they're like updated pixel graphics and mm-hmm. all that and there's um they've been really good and they, they remastered all the music to where it sounds like you know live orchestras playing them and it's great i that sounds absolutely dangerous like uh, i if i if i even try to visit the steam page of that i know that <laughs> there goes like two thousand hours of my life and that's that's i i've been wanting to do a chrono trigger replay through as well for oh, a very long time because yes, i was i was big into i i know you recently tweeted about your 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 snes collection that masqueraded as atari and, oh yeah yeah uh, that was my dad <laughs> um i had the original chrono trigger cartridge and i played the heck out of that like all the endings and all that stuff of the game and i miss that you know like I, I think i had chrono trigger again when i had the nintendo ds but i didn't play through it yeah and uh yeah that was the I've first time i played chrono trigger that. was on ds because oh, nice. I, I never had it on super nintendo and i wanted it so bad um yeah when i was a kid on super nintendo but it, we could never find copies here or anything and this was before mm-hmm. the internet too um, oh yeah 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 so yeah you and it's hard to i remember back in the day you had to like rent you could also rent the games but yes. you can't really rent an rpg because you got to finish oh, it in yeah. three days and you know that's hard yeah there's no way you could finish it in three days um yeah but yeah i played chrono trigger then i played chrono cross on ps1 and mm. uh, i love those games i love the rpg games it's since i've been traveling more for work the nintendo switch has been like a godsend to me for those long ass plane rides because i can get in so much gaming time on the plane also reading too i've been reading a lot more too i try to read almost every night before going to bed and it's um i've started reading the mistborn series by brandon sanderson sanderson yeah yeah is that is that is that good series um so i finished the first book and uh if pixie's listening to this she'll probably kill me i didn't really like the first book that much like it was good like there, there was interesting elements to it, but it was felt like a little bit longer than it needed to be. But mm-hmm. I'm, I'm on the second book now, and holy shit, the second book. I, I don't know if Sanderson like got more like better at writing or something, but second book is like ten times better. Okay, and it's just I can't put it down. So you gotta, nights. you gotta get through the first book, and then the good stuff happens. Yeah, and it's not like the first book is bad or anything, right? It's set up right. It, it yeah. sets up a lot of the world, and it's really interesting. There's just some parts for me that didn't click with me, but you know, you'll talk to other people. They're like, "No, it's amazing." Just like how people are obsessed with the Wheel of Time series, mm-hmm. and I can't even get past the first book. It's so bad for me. Mm-hmm. And I tried yeah. watching the Wheel of Time show on Amazon. I'm like, nope, this is garbage. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just couldn't yeah, get into it. That's it's tough, man. It's tough when you when, when you're trying to start a series and you know there's like you know I don't know fifty gazillion books and it's it's very daunting. Not just that, but when you know there's like a huge fan base behind it and everybody raves, it's you know it's so great, it's so wonderful. You get into and you're like, it's okay, you know, like it's hard when you go into yeah. any series or show or movie with some hype. Like that's super. Like that's so hard. I, I like back in the day for me it was like Kill Bill Volume One. Like I heard so much hype about that movie, Tarantino, and it just ended up being like not 
I mean, how could anything live up to the hype, right? And I think more recently yeah. it was kind of like the Star Wars TV series. Like it was it was Mando first, and then it was mm-hmm. like now with Kenobi. I haven't watched it yet, but my my strategy now is because I'm so burned out on Star Wars, despite being such a fanboy for most of my life. I just try to watch the series like a year after they come out because by the probably a good way to do would have would have died down. Like I watched Mando season one, I think, I think just last year, and it was fine because I didn't have to follow the uh, the internet discussions that went with it. I just kind of enjoyed the show on its own, and it's very hard to do that in this day and age, you know. That that's so. a, that's probably something really smart that I need to start doing because um, it's I, I I'm like you. I love Star Wars. That the Star Wars sequels kind of killed it for me a little bit like i i, I, I yeah i loved I didn't episode watch star seven. wars 9 until like a year and a half after it it uh it left theaters and that would have been absolutely sacrilegious for like 15 year old james like it just right would have yeah been just like how could you not watch star wars but it was better for my my sanity to have watched it later you know yeah yeah because like when episode seven came out, I fucking loved it. Yeah, was it a rehash of episode four? Sure. But it was just it was amazing. I loved it. Loved all the new characters, loved Ray Finn and Kylo, mm-hmm. um, Poe, all them. And then episode eight came out and I did not like it at all. I tried so hard to like it. There were parts I liked. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like anything to do with Luke, Ray, and Kylo, I absolutely loved. A- anything right. else besides those three, I hated it. I couldn't I did not like it at all i feel like i feel like we're i'm kind of like your doppelganger from another part of the world because like <laughs> we just talked about how we started the podcast around the same time wanted to quit around the same time for star wars 7 i absolutely loved it i recognize it was essentially a glorified remake but it's absolutely what star wars needed at that point in time yes i think yes. i watched it like four times in the theater star wars 7 yeah i think i saw and, it two or three times and and eight, I also felt like yeah, it was like it had its moments, but it wasn't it wasn't as crazy as seven because how could it be as crazy as seven? Because seven just basically got the 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 franchise back to relevance because yeah, um, you, you know what I mean, right? And mm-hmm. then nine, which is kind of like by that point, like eight or nine, it was just kind of like maybe I used too much of my enthusiasm on seven. I think that's maybe what it was. Like I I I didn't I left it all for for seven, and I just had to recover, you know. But. Yeah, like nine wasn't bad, but I mean it was bad, but it was also well, it was like a complete one eighty from eight, and then yeah, it was a complete just... one eighty from seven, which is kind of strange. Yeah, and, and I know like there's so many people online that have talked about this to death. Like there was no unified vision for the se- series and all that, and you can definitely tell that they had no idea what they were going to do from movie to movie. And they bring Palpatine back. Oops, spoilers. Um, at the end, and it's sort of like, really? Because I was, because there was that one moment in Episode Eight that I really thought they were gonna go really different, where Kylo offers Ray, like, you know, take my hand, come with me. And I'm thinking, yeah. oh my god, please join him. And then maybe Nine can be about, you know, her coming back to the light side after, you know, falling. And all that. And, oh, but that would have been an amazing storyline. But they can't do that because she's a Disney princess, and they don't want to see you know their Disney princess go bad. And there's there's always a balancing act that Star Wars has to walk. Yeah. Um, I, I you know the term uh, fan service. Yeah. Yep. So Star Wars always has to walk that line between like 
actually having a good story that stands on its own versus fan service, right? Because mm-hmm. one of the biggest complaints I had about Rogue One was, do we really need Vader in Rogue One? Like, no, couldn't it have really just didn't. been about... But we couldn't because we needed the Vader like uh, corridor scene to make people like remind people that this was like before A New Hope. Uh, we needed... Um, you know, Dark Jedi in the Mandalorian, even though it was supposed to be a kind of a, a side story or a Western because of fan service. We needed like Palpatine coming back because of fan service. So it's like there's always these moments in Star Wars and the narrative that makes you feel like it's too entrenched in being Star Wars. Like it's too Yes. It's too meta, right? And that's that's kind of ultimately I think why I burned out on it. Because do we really need Kenobi? Like, I'm sure there's a lot of great things we're doing in that show, right? And I've read some stuff, I haven't watched it, but it's the very definition of fan service. And my life is not gonna be better for having watched it. And it doesn't really change the original trilogy in any way. Like, it doesn't need to exist, in other words, but yeah. it does, you know? Yeah. Like, like I've seen the first three episodes so far, and I enjoy it. I have my complaints with oh, it. Oh, yeah. I'd love to know your take yeah. on it. Yeah. Like, I ha- only read. And, I, and I'm not going to spoil anything or anything like that. Like, I love seeing Ewan McGregor back as Obi-Wan because out of all the things from the prequel trilogy, he was the best out of it. Yeah. And it, it's he he is like, you know, Alec Guinness's, you know, reincarnation yeah he is apologies to guinness yeah yeah and um it's he does i think a great job in that series but there's other stuff that are like you said definitely fan service stuff that we don't really need but it's but the thing with star wars where like you said it's too meta it's stuck in itself that we can't get away from this empire versus rebels narrative like we have this whole galaxy and it's just empire versus rebels doesn't matter what time period you know republic versus trade federation you know mm-hmm. you know the new order versus or the first order versus the whatever the rebels again i guess um mm-hmm. and it's just it's never going to get away from that it's always going to be about jedi and sith and it's like there's got to be more to this world which is what i liked about mandalorian at first like the first season mm-hmm. Mandal- i loved it because yeah. it was just so different and yep. then then, then the second season, we had to become more grandiose. Like we had to wrap, put the whole like you know light versus dark, or uh, you know re- rebellion versus. I mean, they're different names, but it's essentially that, yeah. right? Um, I think the only time they did it fairly well was a brief period in the '90s when they had. This is really dating me. I'm not sure if you get this reference, but when they had the Timothy Zahn uh, Thrawn novels, they had like the, I never read them, but kind I, of the, I've heard about them. Yeah. Like, and also they had the the PC games like X-Wing and TIE Fighter, which actually had some of the Hell yes. stuff in it, yes. right? Because <laughs> TIE Fighter is still one of my favorite games of all time. Um, like, that was really cool because it was kind of exploring the gray. Like, it was exploring, like, what does it actually mean to be ambiguous? And they have tried to do that in Star Wars over the years, but it's never been to that extent. Right. Oh yeah. So, so, like from the old Star Wars games, like Kyle Katarn was one of my favorites. Like going through. Oh, Jedi Knight. Yeah. 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 Jedi Knight. Dark Forces. One. Yeah. Was it one and two? Then Jedi Outcast. Jedi Knight. 
Um, Those were great games. Yeah. Oh, I love Nice Little Republic. Like, there's just like yeah. There's there's things interesting things you can do, not in the grand narrative, and they they've just kind of gone away from that because it probably doesn't sell as well. So, yeah, and I feel like that's I, I don't know if you're into Star Trek, but I feel like sometimes they fall oh, into that yeah. same thing. Like, uh, but I, but I have to say I haven't watched really Star Trek since. Uh, was it Enterprise or Voyager? So I, I'm also kind of like the old guard of Star Trek, where oh, you know, um, TNG 100%. was the best, and you know, TOS like for me. T- well, t- t- TOS was only yeah. the best for me because that's what I watched as a kid. Because um, mm-hmm. I remember as a kid trying to Nostalgia, watch Nostalgia, right? Yeah, yeah, and trying to watch Next Gen as a kid. I'm like, this is way too boring. I want to see Captain Kirk, you know, fight and you know, fight some other cowboys or whatever. And yeah. You know, yeah. the, the, but I mean, as I've gotten older, TNG is the better one, um, the two. But I still love the cheesy '60s uh, nostalgia of it. Um, it had its place in time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the new series was Star or Star Trek. Um, there's Star Trek Discovery, which I thought season one amazing. It was great, even though it did take place like five years, five or six years before TOS. And then season two of Discovery, absolute garbage. Hated it. But then oh, really? season three and four, holy shit. I don't know if they changed writers or something, but it got like a thousand times better. Like, it oh, was okay. Like, holy shit, I loved it even more. And then um, there's Star Trek Picard. Um, There's that. Okay. I would just avoid yeah. it at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It's. I think I might have watched half of the first episode and I it wasn't like I hated the show or something but it was just like I think I was distracted by something else that was also on TV at the time and I just started watching something else well see and that's the problem with I I, I get that we're no longer in the syndication age of TV so now, now that streaming is here we're able to tell these longer form stories that you know over arc and you know a single season instead of like back in the day where you had to tell a story in one episode and kind of not have anything tie over to the next episode because you never know when you're going to see that episode again um so i get it i understand but damn there's just some things like star trek just doesn't kind of fit that um overarching theme like i feel like discovery has gotten better about getting away from that model where they're they're getting better about that as the seasons have gone on the the new show uh star trek strange new worlds which is about captain pike um the captain before captain kirk got on the enterprise dude if you want to talk about a, a good star trek show that is an amazing show so far um okay they are self-contained episodes. Yes, there's little things that carry over from episode to episode, but uh-huh. like my my wife. So it's mostly episodic. Like yes. even though there's an arc. Okay. Yes. Yeah. It, but but not like a huge overarching thing. You know what I mean? Like there's little things that happen to the characters that, you know, my wife and I watched the latest episode, and she hasn't seen a single episode at all, and she was able to follow along just fine, and she had to like know who, okay who's who, and had to just tell her the names, but great episode like it is old school star trek in a modern era i think you would like it okay i'll have to i have to try that although the thing that like this sounds so shallow but it's just like it's hard for me to suspend disbelief when there's those shows that are set before tos or tng but the technology is obviously so much oh, better I know. and I know. that's it's, just like, it's hard it's just it's just it just breaks the 
the fourth wall for me, but I have to get past it's a, it. it. It is. It's tough because it's as much as I would love to see those old sets again. It's they're they're not they going to age well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, they did not age well at all. But man, when I was a kid, I didn't know any better. I was, you know, but yeah. it's just um, caught up in the fantasy of it. Yeah, it was great. So, would you say TNG is your favorite Star Trek? I would say so. I would say that over over time, uh, DS Nine has grown on me a lot. I yeah. think I think I've, even I've to this day, DS Nine is very very underrated. Uh, probably, oh my gosh, yes. Probably, yeah. I would say that. Uh, but yeah, TNG is definitely still like my um in my hall of fame yeah yeah man i mean i i do agree like ds9 tng are the better shows but tos for me is still it, it's that feel-good show that brings me back to my childhood and, and i admit and i haven't watched too much of tos i might have watched like you know some of the best of episodes you know like you know city on the edge of tomorrow and things like that oh that's that's and i, I recognize that it was like very culturally on the zeitgeist at that time and that was like the biggest draw because star trek really at its core is um it's about utopian ideals and it's mm-hmm. about drawing parallels to the cold war and the world i'm sorry i sound like such a nerd right now i know you're um, fine and you're so fine. it was a much more relevant show at that point in time especially also with civil rights and things like that too oh yeah um, i i love hearing about the uh nichelle nichols um mm-hmm. how she you know, wanted to get off the show, but MLK Jr. told her, no, you know, you're going to be a black woman right. who's not in a position of like servitude or something like on a in show. In a strong role. Yeah. yeah. And, and basically someone very important on the ship. And then, you know, and we see all sorts of diversity in there. You've got yeah. basically Spock, who, I mean, I think Leonard Nimoy, he was Jewish. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, you've got a. Um, George Takei, you've got um, and, and even with Chekhov, as bad as his Russian accent was, it was also during an era of when you know American Russian relations were probably at their weakest, at their most tense, at their yeah. most tense. And so, ha- even having someone who's a Russian on the show, you know, tried to show like, hey, we can try to get along too. Um, I know I love it. I mean, I know there's a lot of idealized and utopia ideals that we'll, we'll probably never see in our lifetime but shit man it gives you hope and optimism at least that hey maybe there is that future where we all can get along at some point you know i mean for me star trek is or was roddenberry so it's like you you needed that influence in the show run in in, in producing the show and and i think that's also why uh was it berman with like uh tng and ds9 uh, I think those were the people that made the show what it is. It's mm-hmm. more so than the individual performances. Sure, you had a Uhura, you had a Guinan, you had, you know, good characters, but it's like I think it's just my nostalgia. Like I'm sure there the Star Trek shows today are just as well done and there's just a lot more competition out there for our attention. So I have to Oh yeah, that too. To like, that's tough. I don't know. I, I will say Star Trek Picard though god I don't know what the fuck they're that bad huh it's and don't get me wrong there are good parts to it and and I'm not blaming any of the actors or anything like that they all do a good job with what they're given it's just the writing god it's if you love Picard like him as as you saw him in TNG I, I probably wouldn't bother with it this is not the same Picard that you recall from TNG and it's 
Okay. Yeah. My 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 peak Picard was uh, First Contact, who, which I think is still one of the best Star Trek films uh, ever made. Uh, okay, I would gonna, disagree. I would disagree because disagree. of the TOS run. Undiscovered uh, Country was my favorite. Undiscovered one. Country, sure, sure. Such Canonical, one. one of the one of the goats. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but First I Contact say, is amazing, yeah. though. I love it. Yeah, yeah. I w- I would say that of the non TOS movies, First Contact was probably the best one. Oh yeah, yeah. I hundred percent. Maybe agree. the reboot. Maybe the reboot. The reboot gave me a lot of hope, just like Star Trek Seven. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Um, but it didn't quite sustain. So, oh my god! And then the Into Darkness. I hated Into Darkness so bad. I'm like, why try to bring back Khan? Like, no. First of all, they, they <laughs> first of all they make Khan a white dude when canonically he's supposed to be Indian. I mean, I know Ricardo Monteblanc was an Indian. He was, I think, Mexican. Um, but still, it's like, yeah, they bring him back as a white dude, and then oh, it was just a terrible movie. But the the third Star Trek movie they did, um, Star Trek Beyond. I think it was with Chris Pine. That one wasn't too bad. Yeah, that was okay. That yeah, was okay. I mean, yeah. compared to Into Darkness, it was it wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's all relative. Yeah. Oh man. Um. Yeah. If I had to choose, like DS Nine, God, that was such an amazing show for its time. I freaking loved James Avery. Like, killed it as Cisco, mm-hmm. and it, it's just the gravitas like yes that. like freaking and and i love watching interviews of him because he's such a completely different person and that just goes to show how great of an actor he is yeah like and um freaking my white ensemble cast man like, oh yeah it's all probably the them. best overall ensemble cast of star trek i think yeah because there's um you got the frangie you got the you yeah, got quark like, odo uh, quark yeah odo um, um Garrick uh, was simple yes, Taylor. The yeah, yeah, you got <laughs> and then um shit, what's her name? Akira, the Bajoran, Jadzia, mm-hmm. the Trill. Um uh, oh shit, what's the doctor? Um Oh my god, I can't remember his name now. The doctor. The doctor, but you had Jake, you had like all yeah, these Jake, like, kind of Chief O'Brien. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Shit, what's the doctor's name now? I don't want to look it up. Um I don't want to look it up either. We got to try to use our memories here. Oh my god, I I can see him in my head right now because because i remember I if i did i could probably because i remember in the first season or so they tried to make him like a playboy like him try to hit on all the women and then they changed his character in the mm-hmm. later seasons yeah they wanted him to be a Riker kind of character yeah 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 oh my god why can't i think um oh it's on the tip of my tongue i can't remember now okay We'll, we'll look it up after the yeah, after right? recording. We don't, don't, <laughs> don't want to like give we don't want to like give up our geek cards just yet. You know, like we, we right. got that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, and then um. Oh, one of my favorite episodes of DS Nine was um when Rom uh uh the 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 younger Frankie wanted to join Star not Star Trek uh the Federation, um not the Federation um Starfleet. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Um. When he wanted to join Starfleet and Cisco's like, nope, you're not good enough. Why would a Ferengi want to do it and all that? And just him proving himself, you know, standing up yeah. and fighting for himself. Like, I love episodes like that. Like, hell yes, you can do it. And yeah. um, that was a good one. That was good. God, they're all good. Um, e- even the even the shitty one where they get trapped into a board game and they got to do the, the little hopscotch jumping game inside. <laughs> do you remember that one? I don't remember that. That, that, was, that was a season one episode best. where okay, it, they some alien crew 
comes on board and it's like, Oh, I'll beat you at this board game or whatever. And the, the, and the, 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 the crew gets sucked into the board game and they got to figure out how to beat it. It, It was really cheesy, but it was still a great episode. That early nineties greatness. Um, mm-hmm. did you did you like Voyager? I like Voyager, but no, I can't say I like Voyager mm-hmm. because I think what they what what Voyager fundamentally did for me was it destroyed the mystique of the Borg. I think that yeah, was I can the agree with that. the ultimate faux pas. I think in Star Trek because the Borg were this. I mean, they should be this mysterious. And that's why First Contact is one of my one of my favorite movies because even though they had the Borg Queen and introduced some new canon stuff, like it was, st- they were still very threatening, right? And I don't think mm-hmm. anyone can disagree that some of the Borg episodes in uh, TNG were some of the best. Oh, I think yeah. Voyager just sort of, I think, I think also the characters were quite well done in Voyager overall. Um, it, they sort of found their footing, but just some some of the stuff around the Borg just really, really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah, I can see that for sure. That 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 was my wife's um favorite Star Trek series, Voyager. Um, we got to meet uh, Robert Picardo, who played the Doctor at one of the conventions. Oh, and, nice! And I got to yeah. meet um oh shit, the one who played Tuvok, um Tim Russell, or I think his name is. Which he's probably my favorite Vulcan. Like God, it, it's hard because I love Spock, but damn, Tuvok was just on mm-hmm. another level. Um. Oh, by the way, I I I don't know if what I said is entirely accurate. Like, um, was it Voyager or Enterprise or both of them that killed the mystique of the Borg? I think it was just it was, it was Voyager. Voyager. Yeah, a- Enterprise okay. was more. Oh God, that was this pre warp speed or or not warp? Because I thought the Borg also even appeared in Enterprise at some Did point, they? and it was just like the jump the shark moment was in full effect there. I can't remember yeah. now. I I only ever watched Enterprise. Um, I think I only watched it once or twice. I've seen all the Gosh, other series. That was when so I still times. watched TV, like syndicated TV. That was a long time ago. Yeah. God. Yeah. I mean, uh, that that last episode of Enterprise was garbage. But <laughs> do you I remember? Janeway was a good captain. But it's oh, just sort oh, of like I freaking the stuff love it. Janeway. She was um. Great captain, I loved her. She's um one of my favorites. It's mm-hmm. got it's like th- those four original captains are still some of my favorites. You know, Janeway, Kirk, Cisco, um, Picard. This all freaking great, and yet the new the new shows like um, especially the one in Discovery. She's becoming a lot better, and then C- Captain Pike, the OG captain of the Enterprise, like he's. Oh god, the actor who plays him, he's freaking amazing. You'll love him. It's um I don't know, just I think you'll like Strange New Worlds. Just at least check it out. Um God, we're at two hours here. Holy shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is already <laughs> ten o'clock. I can't believe it already. Yeah. Um Damn. So alright, let's wrap it up here. Um well, first of all, thank you for coming on and chatting with me um, about God. We covered a lot of stuff, um, and it's my I pleasure, it. man. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for taking the time out of your day to come on. Um, uh, give out any shout outs you want for uh, where people can find you. Anything you want to plug? Anything you got coming up? Because this episode will come out 
I'm hoping I get it done in time for this Friday. Because I'm traveling so much this week. If I don't get it out by this Friday, then it probably won't come out till like end of June, almost July. Hopefully it won't take that long. <laughs> yeah, so just shout outs. I guess uh, humansmagic.com is where you can find everything. You can also follow Humans of Magic on Twitter and Instagram. I'm not on TikTok yet. Uh, not enough video content. Uh, so on Twitter and Instagram, <laughs> just Humans of Magic. That's where you can find me. DMs are open. So if you ever want to nice. give feedback or say something or ask questions, uh, DMs are open. Yeah. All right. Nice. Well, thank you again, James, for coming on. I had a blast. Thank you, Zuby. All right. Hey, everybody. Thank you all for listening and watching, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, I think James is a really great guy, a really great person, and I hope you check out his content. Um, I do mean it when it's sort of like the NPR of Magic Podcasts. It's, it gives me that strong Ira Glass vibe, and I love it. It's I God, I haven't listened to This American Life in forever, and I probably need to get back on it. Um, so hope you all enjoyed watching, listening, and... I'm going to be at Command Fest Philadelphia again, and I hope to see you there. Can't wait. Thank you again, Card Titan, for the event or for the invite. Um, yeah, so that's about it. So everyone have a great night, and I hope you're awesome. Stay awesome.